We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What do you think about the Laker team now? You follow the box scores of the games every day? Just the Lakers. You're kidding. That is really a compliment. I was pleased to see you smile at the top of our show because once the game starts, you have a game face. You don't smile much out there. I don't think you have to do things for money anymore. Correct. What's up, Laker fans? Welcome to Laker Film Room Podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I'm Pete, joined by Darius and Mike. And today we're going to continue kind of our ongoing discussion after the, the first game. And around the idea of, you know, we talked so much over the summer of the starting lineup, and there was such a debate on that. And it, it remains to be seen what it will be, you know, when we have a full complement of players. But... I am very much of the mind that we are on the wrong track in a few different areas, and there are a few different indicators of that. But I want to start with the idea, and Mike, of the value of bigs. I would like, before we kind of get into the, my idea is right, no, my idea is right, it's just like kind of establish common ground on, like, what is the value of playing two big lineups? And I want to kind of flesh that out a little bit before we get into the, the counter arguments for it. First of all, guys, do you guys want me to throw the washing machine on? Quick, good? <laughs> I saw you getting some advice from a listener the other day. I, I hope they helped you out on uh, your future washings and dryings. I Somebody knew the exact jingle and knew what brand I had. I was very impressed with the, uh, the Twitter responses to that for sure. So I think the central question for me, Pete, and this is this has, again, been part of our ongoing discussion, and obviously a lot of it comes based out of that first game, was – how the Lakers optimized their lineup uh, when they won the title versus how they can do it with this specific roster. And especially with a couple guys that are hurt, they're really lacking a couple of key spots. Uh, Darius, I think, has rightly pointed out, probably even before I had thought about it properly, that lack of a four um, when AD is at the five. And I think we saw that very clearly with Melo playing 26 minutes and how much that hurt the Lakers specifically on defense. And also just in terms of the high usage, you know, that he took, he, he was playing like it was 2010 um, out there. And so in that there, there isn't necessarily another guy to put into that. So that's one thing. Then you also don't have the bigger wing, uh, the bigger guard um, guy. We, we thought that Ariza might've been able to do that. His health was certainly an issue. The, the level of play that he's able to reach at this stage of his career is an issue as well. But what I've been questioning is when they've gone small and whether it was in the preseason or in the season opener, they've really struggled um, because they don't have the connectivity yet 
and 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 that's part of the answer, right? clearly, right? As they get used to each other and they rotate, they don't have that level of connectivity yet um, to be able to play that style um, that made them so devastating when they were small. And and therefore, I think Frank Vogel looked at that throughout the preseason, looked at the roster and decided, well, I know that at least if we start big, there are certain things that can be protected defensively and we'll get enough lob threats around the rim, you know, to 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 be OK there. And I'm you know, I know that you still feel strongly about this. I, I'm not in this in I don't disagree that I think they'll eventually have to get to more of it, but I'm still struggling to see how the current rotation and how the current set of guys out there um, can can effectively play small in, in big, basically only play one big like Dwight for whatever it is, 10 to 15 minutes a game. So first of all, I don't think that um, I don't agree with the point that the small lineups have struggled. The mellow lineups have struggled. Like when I say that we should go small, I don't mean that we should play Carmelo Anthony in the starting lineup next to LeBron James. And what I think it is, is that we talk about the bigger, faster, stronger, and we talk about the idea of dials, right? I think that we are, this is a roster built for faster, and Vogel very much protects the bigger. And there's reasons for that. I, my argument is that this roster, it's almost a mirror image. The strengths and weaknesses of the guys around LeBron and Anthony Davis, right? Obviously the foundation of both, but the strengths and weaknesses of the 2020 team and this 2022 team are almost mirror images of all of the other guys. What the other, what the 2020 guys were good at, our guys are bad at. What the 2020 guys are bad at, our guys are good at. And so that's going to require a certain level of rethinking. And so my one of the things that I'm big on right now is we got to get our minds out of 2020 in the first place or out of in that season in the first place because the same formula, Darius, we talk about the alchemy of basketball. I don't think the same formula works with these players specifically because their strengths and weaknesses are so opposite. And so while I see the value of the bigs and we'll get into Mike more about the idea of like, well, what do you do with this current roster in a bit? But in the establishment of the value of what bigs have in the first place i think on this team darius it's a different equation than it was in 2020 i think i'm in the middle a little bit because there are real roster limitations right now that impact your ability to do certain functional things defensively that i think matter for this team and matter for any sort of for any team around playing winning basketball And I think that there's a certain amount of habit forming that I think is going to be super important for the long term goals of what this team is. I don't think I don't think either of you are arguing a different point than that. But I want to make that point clear as well, that there is a there there definitely is a style of play that I think the team wants to get to. But within the context of that style of play, there are good habits and there are bad habits. Right. And and. What I think right now is that Vogel is seeing more good habits being executed by the lineups that skew bigger, right? And that it's probably easier for him to get to the good habits, particularly defensively with the starting group that he has and a couple of the wings that he has, particularly with Bazemore, right? And We've talked about this a ton on the pod. We've texted about it offline that there is probably a shortage of one to one and a half 
decent to good defenders right now on the team in general, even with it being fully healthy. I think that that's the case with the injuries that they're facing right now. It's probably closer to three to three and a half defenders. Yes. Good, like good defenders out there down. And we're counting right now. Ariza, who is somewhat of an unknown Taylor Horton Tucker, which has sort of been like hyped up as this is what we need from you, but we have not seen it from from him. And Kendrick Nunn, who was a starter turned backup on a very good Miami Heat team that went to the NBA Finals, right? And so those are three important defenders. And I'm not exactly sure what the Lakers are going to get from them, right? But the idea of them is sort of being plugged in as the reality of them. So I'm a bit in the middle here because I I think that, and this goes back to the last pod that we recorded right in the aftermath of the first game, they need to play smaller in order to optimize Russell Westbrook. Yes, right. that's another and, yes. And I do think that playing smaller also, to a certain extent, optimizes LeBron James and Anthony Davis, particularly offensively. Right. But what what allows them to play smaller is a bridge player defensively that currently is not available to them. That player is just not available. And and I think that the Frank Vogel is in a tricky predicament here. And there is a bit of whack-a-mole defensively that he's playing that I'm not sure there is a functional out for him to find a really good solution right now. Right. Now, if you're going to argue to me or if either of you are going to argue to me like hey, well, play with what you got right now. Do like do the best that you can. Play play bigger, which I don't want to put words in Mike's mouth, but that's I think a part of of what he's he's saying, which I could be convinced of that. If you want to argue the other way, like, look, they got to get to this style eventually. There are better players in the backcourt or on the wing that you should be playing in order to see what you can get out of them and play more to their strengths, which I think is a version of the argument that you're making, Pete. Like, I could be convinced of of that, too, but I'm more in the middle right now because I really do see the value of of both ways. But it probably does hinge on Russ to me. This is again, like I said in last night's show. This is these are hostile conditions to Russ in terms of his productivity. No matter what your opinion of Russell Westbrook is, he's always been able to put up numbers. And my position is that if you can get the version of Russell Westbrook that puts up raw numbers, you can say they're empty or whatever. If Russ is putting up twenty something points and double digit rebounds and double digit assists or close to it. LeBron James and Anthony Davis are going to figure out enough of the rest of the stuff to where the role players aren't even going to matter all of that much, right? So the number one thing that we got to get to, Mike, is to to maximize Russell Westbrook. I've got thoughts on like that bridge player and the defense and how it ties in with the big and all that. But like that is really I used to say our third star was our defense. In 2020 brain, in 2022 brain, our third star is Russell Westbrook. And we've got to I don't know. We've got to make that work. Well, all right. So let. I think whenever whenever we go on points like this, you both made about four. Like we all make three yeah, comments we always that do this. I, want to respond to all the time. I'm and, like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I gotta start <laughs> taking notes. But the first one that I want to try to prioritize uh, was one of yours, Pete, and then Darius made two that were really good. But 
what you said, Pete, about forgetting the roster that won, I think that's probably the key point. So when I think about this team still, and it's not going to surprise you guys, I'm starting with LeBron and AD, blah, blah, blah. But that's why it's frustrating when they're on the floor and they're not being supported by the types of players that we know they can win a title with. So, but guess what? Too bad. That's that over. ship has sailed, <laughs> so, Mike. We can have but, that conversation. And, if this blows up and goes badly, but, we can say, why didn't we just put defenders of Brown, LeBron and AD? Yeah. But we're here now, man, and we got to maximize no, no. it. But, but Pete, so while, as I, I just acknowledged that, therefore I agree strongly with it, but while watching the game, I couldn't help but just think, okay, well, if player X, right, were in here versus player Y, then they would win by. So that that way of thinking also composed the way that we were trying to figure out and not you, Pete, right, because you were you've been on the figuring out how to have Russ adapt into it. But I've been trying to figure out, can they still match to a degree the personnel um, that we know they can win with? And I think that the, the greater point to kick this to Darius now, and then I'll try to get back to what Darius was saying in a minute, is that Russ is out there and he can't function around the way that they played last night where it's LeBron and AD shooting a bunch of jump shots. And that's the, the part of the discussion that I've, I've been hearing today in various places and some pods and, and some pieces, some writing. LeBron only took six shots in the paint and they were mostly jumpers too. He wasn't going to the rim. And I get it. Why I get why golden state was packed in. Steve Kerr knows exactly what to do with Westbrook, but AD also didn't get into the paint nearly at all. And I get this, it all flows together, but Russ then can't play in that context either. So it all has to be different and it does all have to change um, if it's really going to work with Russ because he just absolutely cannot fit as the guy that's taking the open shot once in a while and then is basically just up up there in transition. This is where I'm going to go contrarian a little bit. The Lakers didn't play two effing bigs for 48 minutes last night. They didn't. And so, like, I'm sorry, and I'll write about this eventually, but, like, here's just the two-minute Cliff's Note version of this. You have LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Russell Westbrook on the same team. You could have two Kyle Corvers on the court with them, and teams are going to pack the paint against those guys. Like, there is nothing you're going to be able to do offensively that is going to eliminate basically five guys looking like a shell drill. The point is that we we cannot take advantage of... If I could jump in real quick, I've been dying to say this. This, the starting lineup in particular, and again, this plays into why, I don't even mind us playing more two big lineups. Can it be AD and Dwight instead? Or if you play DJ in this temporary period of time, the end of the first quarter and the end of the third quarter, a better time when it's not both AD and, or when it's not Russ on the floor, right? Like there's all sorts of ways to kind of, I'm not opposed to the idea of playing, like we got to go small all the time and that's all it's ever got to be, but we have to be more intentional about it. And the same formula from before doesn't work. Now, what I wanted to point out is this, these lineups, these big lineups annihilate our pick and roll game. There are three decisions, three primary decisions in a pick and roll that the defense makes where they choose Either I'm going to encourage a drive while discouraging a jump shot or encourage a jump shot while discouraging a drive. So that's there are three different places. Defense picks drive or jump shot. Anyway, the three decisions 
the guy, the player defending Russell Westbrook, first of all. Do I go over the screen or do I go under the screen? If you go under the screen, right, you're going to encourage a jump shot. If you're going to go over the screen, you're going to encourage a drive. This is true of any player, not just Russell Westbrook. With yeah, Russell Westbrook. Same thing on Schroeder and Rondo last couple of years. Yeah. Right. And so that's what you do to guys who can't shoot, right, who aren't good, good shooters. You go under the screen. The second, the second place is how do you hedge with your big? How high do you come up? So if it's Steph Curry, which we saw yesterday, you're trapping him, you're blitzing him. Your big, DeAndre Jordan, is coming all the way up because if he doesn't, that's – and Melo got pulled for this in the fourth quarter. If you don't show high on a ball screen on, on Steph, you give him a clean look coming off of a screen, yes, it's like – And so he's the most extreme version of that. You show really high. But against a bad shooter, D, how do you defend a bad shooter coming off of that? What do you do with your big? He stands there, like in the same place. He is so far below the screen. It's just like he might as well be where the cameramen are. So he's dropped back into the paint. Exactly. So when we say a drop coverage, he back there with the cameraman. Exactly. Yes. Now, one of the counters to that, if your big can pick and pop, since they're hanging back out there with the cameraman, if that's Marcus Gasol right there, if Marcus Gasol was on this team instead of DeAndre Jordan, I wouldn't be so adamant about this. If that's Marcus Gasol, then he pops out, right? But DeAndre Jordan can't pop out beyond the three-point line. So that's the second decision that they've made in the pick and roll that encourages a jump shot instead of a drive. Then the third and final one, and this was Draymond guarding AD on this one in the slot, is how do you tag from the weak side? If the full commitment is is you go all the way and you leave that shooter alone, or if that's Kyle Korver, and this is where those Kyle Korvers, those shooter types matter, if yes. that's him, you do not tag as hard. You don't leave. And so all three decisions off of Draymond has two feet in the paint off of Anthony Davis because he's totally fine with that kick out. He can get there to bother it enough if AD hits it. He's not going to hit it enough to where you're like, yo, we got to stay home on Anthony Davis. So all three decisions in a pick and roll are being made to discourage the drive or yeah, to discourage the drive and cause the jump shot. So we have four of the greatest put pressure on the rim threats in the pick and roll in NBA history two ball handlers in LeBron James and Russell Westbrook and two bigs in DeAndre Jordan and Anthony Davis. We got zero lob attempts. We keep talking about the idea of paint to great. The idea, and this is something, this is a coaching phrase, is the threes that you get, you want to be able to get out of paint touches. We drive into the paint, we kick it out. Those are the best looks. We're not getting into the paint. Nothing will keep us away from the basket more than going big this season because it will encourage all three of those decisions to be encourage the jumper and it will mean Russell Westbrook jumpers it'll mean Anthony Davis jumpers it'll mean LeBron James jumpers we won't get those opportunities so Pete let me just ask you a question there and you you know I love I love listening to you talk about basketball okay more than most people but you you know that Frank Vogel knows this stuff right and and way more yes I I, I think I know exactly where Vogel's coming from yeah so, so that's been like my point all along has been like, I've been listening to what Vogel's saying. Here's how he's going to play. I, this is what he's going to do. Okay. Now, at, there, there probably will be, I think, a breaking point, And I think he knows that at some point. But there, there's a certain level of innings eating that has to go on with a roster that is that, as it is now composed. And there is a certain, like Darius said earlier, they've actually played pretty well for the most part with the big lineup, especially defensively. And they absolutely but did not lose that game them. that way. I know, I know they do, and they so they can well get to the that. But, then, but if you're going to have AD and LeBron but, start at the four and the five, right, 
you, th- you think they're going to make it through all 82 like that, not with all the defensive res- responsibilities that come through with that? And like and with if what the with what the roster is on the wings. I've got questions if we make it through all 82 at the pace that we play at. Right. Anthony Davis fell down, what, like 10 times in that game? You know, like, so there's all sorts of questions about about that. And of course, Frank, Frank Vogel knows this. It's a matter, Darius, of like, what are you willing to sacrifice? I'm telling you, we were we will not get attempts at the rim. In that 1540, this is part of our text thread. In that 1540, we got two shot attempts at the rim and one attempt to the, at the free throw line with that group on against a very small Golden State Warriors team. It will be very difficult to get to the rim. And yes, they have not played poorly because they've got three out of the four best players on the court at any given time. In a game that doesn't have Steph Curry in it, we're always going to have the best two guys at the very least. And you could, there's even conversation to have there, right? So like being a plus two in 15 minutes and 40 seconds, we're going to get our butts kicked in games if we're only beating teams by two points in, in 15 minutes with those three on the court. So LeBron and AD can get to the rim whenever they want against the most packed defense that there is. No, they, they can't. Were hitting the, yes, they can. They did it in the, they did it all last they did it all last 2 years. They did it all last 2 years with point guards that couldn't shoot. And with teams that packed the paint because that's what you do against LeBron and AD. So they they could get there. Instead, they took the wide open jump shots that the Warriors were given. LeBron didn't take it to the cup hardly at all. Hardly at all. I think there was one time that he tried to drive, and instead of going all the way to the rim, he faded away on the baseline. Part of that, I think, is because they're still getting their game legs fully. AD was perfectly content to just sit back, take those open jumpers that he can always get. If they And they were up nine with a minute left in the third quarter without, putting, without trying to get to the rim, even once. Right, we were up. We were up in that quarter because of how the next lineup played before the Frankenstein lineup at the end of Russ and Rondo. The lineup that played well that got us a ten point lead in that second quarter was Russell Westbrook. It was it was Mello. It was, was Mello. Bazemore. It was LeBron, and it was Anthony Davis. That's when we went up in that. Let's take a break. I'm having a great time uh, discussing this with you guys. We'll give Darius a chance to get a word in edgewise here after after the break. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jerry, there was a play in the, and I know we've had, you know, again, like five other things and points been made. There was a play in the first quarter where a lot of our early offense stuff will initiate. Uh, we're going up the side, the sidelines, right? And so this was a sideline ball screen with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. And Wiggins is guarding LeBron. Wiggins ices it. So it never turns into actually looking like a screen, but they're running parallel, right? And AD is rolling to the basket. And three guys converge on AD on the roll and completely leaving DeAndre Jordan, who's not made it up the court all the way yet as this action has started, and Russell Westbrook, who's in the weak side corner. So all three guys converge on Anthony Davis. He is not open. LeBron James ends up making a skip pass to Russell Westbrook. There were eight people in the paint when LeBron James made this pass. This, and so... The ability to, my argument is that this is not the same as previous years. Point guards who can't shoot, like Avery Bradley's got, and he's honestly the ultimate answer to my question of who I would start instead of DJ and who, who I would like to see. We can get into a whole, a whole discussion about that. But like Avery Bradley has a little mid-range pull-up game. You certainly couldn't leave KCP when he was playing the one, quote unquote, right? And so the idea of like, yeah, all teams are going to pack the paint. Well, we have to be able to take advantage of that. And if they're completely abandoning two of our players, it's going to just put a stranglehold on the paint that's going to put eight bodies in the paint in 2021. So neither of you are convincing me yet. I love to hear <laughs> you guys talk. Like, but neither of you are there yet for me. because because it's somewhere in the middle. So it really is, right? Yeah, Ide for sure. In an ideal world, so in an ideal world, the Lakers want to not just be one thing. They want to be five different things. They want to be, yes. and, and for every time, and I said this before on a pod a long time, time ago, but if you ever played this game called Mortal Kombat, there was a character named Shang Tsung, and that dude could turn into anyone. Right. And I used to be Shang Tsung like, oh, you're you're now Sub-Zero and now I'm going to be Baraka or you're this guy. And I'm just going to be the other dude that is going to be a matchup problem 
for this specific character. Mm-hmm. And Probably if Scorpion. you play the Probably game Scorpion. long enough, it's yeah. just like, and that's the idea of shape-shifting, and it's really the ultimate idea behind LeBron James and, and Anthony Davis. They can be anything you want them to be. And Who would you, who would you take if I was Raiden? Oh, probably Liu Kang. Liu Kang? So, yeah, fair. Yeah. So the thing with the Lakers is that they want to, they don't want to go in any given direction at any given give time. And I feel like we are, Pete's talking about a lot of the, the trees that are in the forest. And these are very important trees that he's talking about, right? Because they are the details and and the devil is in the details. And I don't think we should, those should be, those should not be lost on us at all, because this goes back to the point I was making in, in, well, well, in the first half of the pod about, about like getting the little things right and building the right habits in order to play the, in order to be the best version of, of yourself. The Lakers probably win. So I think there's two things. The Lakers probably win the game against the Warriors if Russell Westbrook doesn't play terribly. Right? But and, it's tied and, together. Ah. It is so it is tied together, Pete. It is tied, tied together. But sometimes, sometimes the good player just has to play good. Right? And so what there was a point last night, and this is why I love LeBron James because he cannot, he is never flustered in an interview, and and there is nothing a reporter can bring to him that he is not going to be able to turn back at them in in a way that is just like, look, I'm LeBron James, I'm better than you at this, like I'm better at you at basketball, like I'm better than you at basketball, I'm better than you at talking basketball, I'm better than you at being an interview subject, I'm better at I'm better than you than being the interviewer because I can start to ask you questions. Go ahead, there are Mike. Two, no, no, I'm, this is, I'm keeping this on you, but there are two people uh, in the NBA in my life covering that that are better at that than anybody else, aside from LeBron. I think you guys could probably guess them. Kobe. That's one, and the other is is not a player. Phil Jackson. Boom. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So last night when LeBron was being peppered about the Lakers defense, one of the things he said that struck me, but because it struck me because it's simplicity and because of its accuracy was he basically said, look, sometimes the other team is good too, basically. Like sometimes they execute and they make the play and they put you in a position where you fail. Like they were better than you on that specific play. And there Pete, you did a rewatch. Mike, you well, well, you did a rewatch too. I did not do a rewatch. But you could probably count on one hand the number of times that Russell Westbrook was better than the other team. <laughs> better at what right? though? Better like Better at anything, Pete, making a play, like making an actual basketball play when things are not supposed to go your way, mm-hmm. right? And so I agree with you fundamentally. The Lakers need to do a better job of when you talk about we want Russell Westbrook to be Russell Westbrook. I'm sorry. Some of that is bullshit if you're actually not going to take the steps to allow him to be Russell Westbrook. And so fundamentally, Pete, I agree with you. On the other side of the coin is, though, is is if you're telling me, let's start Russell Westbrook 
Avery Bradley, right? I'm saying it's better than can, DeAndre Jordan. That's how bad can, starting DeAndre, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan is with that group, in my opinion. And, and I'm telling you, sure, I'm not the biggest DeAndre Jordan fan either, right? Sure. You can go go that way. And I'm going to tell you that there's going to be issues on the backboards. There's going to be a bunch of other issues because these are the problems that exist when you do not have the right mix of players available to you to actually play the game. That's right. And, there's no good solution right now. I think that's one thing. There is not. No matter what point you're advocating, like there's big time holes in whatever strategy considering the roster right now. And so if there's a reason why I might lean towards your position, Pete, while I'm still not like no one has won me over. Right. But why I might lean towards your your position, Pete, is and Mike, I'd love to get your thoughts on on this specific point is that optimizing Russ is still important. It is still something that the Lakers should be trying to build towards in order to get him to be the best player that he can be within the context of this roster. And I think it's it's clear through the sort of, you talked about Frankenstein lineups through the Frankenstein preseason, basically, which was just a bunch of makeshift parts of of players and parts of games and oh the big three is playing but they're only playing for this much time and oh now this guy's hurt and that guy's hurt and oh look now we have no guards we have no guards yeah right yeah, yeah there was a whole bunch of that so getting him to play better is super important i'm with you he also just needs to play better like he does and you could tell he was frustrated as hell post game with how he played with the fact that now he had to face the media and then and it's first game staples I'm a Laker and he had a dud of a game right he was in the middle of the presser like checking his phone he was not in the mood for any of it and all of that was reflective of the fact that he played poorly no one's got to tell Russell Westbrook that he played poorly. Like there's a there's probably a million voices shouting that today. Oh, he played bad. Guess what? You know who knows that they played bad? The person who played bad. I don't know about y'all, but I played some sports in my life. When I played bad, no one had to tell me. Yeah, I knew it. And I wasn't a freaking professional who has played basketball at the highest level imaginable. And hearing LeBron and AD Mike post game sort of say like Russ is super hard on himself, which isn't a thing. I don't think I've ever heard anyone say ever. I've never heard him described in that manner by a teammate ever. And maybe it's because no teammate has ever had the stature or gravitas to actually sit up there and say that about him. But LeBron James and Anthony Davis do. Right. And so I started to then humanize Russ in a way that I don't know if he's actually been humanized. There's a lot going on for me with Russ. And so I want to make his life easier, but he has to help us help him. That's too. Fair. totally fair. Well, yeah. So this is and this is now where I'm kind of in the middle of this discussion where I felt for Russ in that game and in that context, because since he came to the Lakers, everything's been a dream. You know, it's all been walking into the practice facility, 
the way that he's been treated by everybody in the organization, the way that the fan base has embraced him, uh, you know, particularly compared to how things were tricky uh, the last couple of years and just, you know, Houston and Washington and all, all the stuff that's gone on, all the way that he perceives that people perceive him. And he walks in and it's like what we had the conversation months ago where I kept thinking, OK, the game's going to start. Imagine the energy in Russ. Like I could see him bouncing around the court in pregame warmups. You know, he was just so thrilled, so excited. And then this is where I, I'm not in a debate with Pete about the way that they should play. Um, I am trying to present what I think the coaching staff has been putting out. But they what here's where I think Pete is totally right. The situation Russ walks into here is a tough one for him to succeed because the Lakers with all these new players, what are they, what is Vogel going to go back to? LeBron, AD, who else knows how to run a little bit of our schemes? A little bit. Okay, Avery well, Bradley? isn't even here. Right. Avery Bradley's exactly. been here for so two he, days, yeah. And guess what? And he, so he called upon him in the fourth quarter, right, in he, money he time. He closed the game, and, Mike. And he closed be, the game. Exactly. And so so that's the, – within the, with the structure that they play with LeBron and AD there, there's no spot for a point guard that you know, sort of just completely can't shoot and has to drive through traffic with, the, with LeBron and AD, not two three-point shooters, even if LeBron was hot, spacing the court to make that open. So it was not a situation into which Russ could succeed, and I don't blame him for the loss. Like, Rondo fouling Steph, jumping into a three-point shooter, like, you know, Melo going under the screen to Steph, six completely free and easy points, AD missing five free throws, just those three plays you might have a different result. So, and Russ didn't get in the way of that much stuff. He just kind of, he took a couple open shots. They missed. They got back on defense. He didn't have a million turnovers. You know, he wasn't just looking to chuck. Like, they they had other players make a bunch of mistakes. Um, Monk, not, knowing, not, not blaming him, not knowing what to do defensively within their scheme. Dwight being the wrong matchup for Bielitsa, who was awesome after struggling in the preseason. So all of this other stuff is going on. And meanwhile... Everybody's just blaming Russ. See, Russ stinks. I knew it was going to happen this way. And this is from some, coming from somebody that, like, I thought the the formula that they had worked pretty well. So, I but just let's. It's not just about Russ. It's about all that other stuff. It's not just about the style. And I, I just wanted to say that um, I will now get off my soapbox. No, it's you're absolutely right. And I think that it's important to examine that idea of what Russ can do now. And it's funny, if you talk to uh, Russell Westbrook fans, and he certainly has his his group of people that have followed him from team to team, all of them have been shouting from the mountaintops, like, Russ starts season slow, it takes a minute, he figures it out. The one did y'all see this calendar picture? Yeah, yeah, Sorry yeah. to cut you yeah, off. Yeah, it's like this is the worst player of all time, and it like it brackets from late October through like mid January, or and through then, like December, I, right? And then January is like oh, oh yeah. I thought of you. I thought of you exactly. You got the O, and then yeah, and then it was in like the, the greatest the la- player. And also, j- just like now, I'm I'm mad at myself for talking again because uh, you guys both had stuff to say. Um, LeBron was so effective with his jump shot, and AD was so effective that. Like, uh, inevitably, they were going to stick with that, and therefore, LeBron didn't look to get Russ going it, like LeBron can if he wants to. And I think that he will moving forward some. So, like, they, it was working. What AD and LeBron were doing was working great. They kept doing it, and up until the point where the fourth quarter came. That's right. And 
that said, I think the idea of exploring like what Russ can do in the current circumstances is super important. And we will get into that and more on the next episode of the Laker Film Room Podcast. James has got it in low to McHale. McHale wants to turn his double team. Just pass out of front, broken up by Worthy. Tip to Magic. Worthy dies on his belly. Magic scores. There's Magic got it. Magic fires. It's good. The Lakers win the game. The Lakers win the game. Three seconds left. A lot of Laker fans sticking around for this. You're seeing something that's very rare indeed. A Laker to get MVP chance right, in, Boston. in Boston. Of all places. Are you kidding me? Kobe. Hard to believe. Are you kidding me? Unreal. Are you kidding me? Lakers looking to push. Ryan spinning in the lane. Back for Gasol. Pretty pass. And it's back to a three-point game. Kobe Bryant picked up by Bell. There's the move. Two, one, miss it. Bryant, unbelievable. Quarter victory. It's over. Shot clock now to five. Bryant. Yes. And that was a little tough to Albert Gentry. That insult to injury, Kobe. I mean, what a shot. I mean, you can't defend that. Are you kidding me? 2.1 seconds remaining. Denver a foul to give. Jokic. Trying to disrupt Rondo, he puts it in. Here's Davis, 4-3 in the win. Oh, it's good! Anthony Davis has won it for the Lakers! James again. Oh, he hits another one. LeBron James putting together a closing quarter against the Nuggets. This historic 2020 NBA championship belongs to the Los Angeles Lakers. The Lakers conquer the bubble, and banner number 17 will soon hang in the rafters. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.